long days and pleasant nights to all of you. Um, this week's episode is my friend Melissa, who she won, she wins, she wins this wonderful needle company here in New York City. It's called the Fools and Kings Project. It's um. The main thesis is to do Shakespeare based off of character and story rather than the emphasis on language, which I really agree with, and I've worked with um, her a couple of times via that company. It's a really wonderful company. Um, if you if you live in New York, um, their season is over for this year, but they do um, Shakespeare in the park, and next spring and summer you should go and see them. Um, go to foolsandkings.org, I believe it is, if you're interested in that. Um, as always, uh, check out Patreon, rate, subscribe, review, all that stuff. Um, also, uh, I have a couple other projects in the works, a couple more podcasts. I think I mentioned that we're not doing Smuggle Buddies anymore, it just it kind of fell apart. It was fun, but like it fell apart. Um, but I'm starting a new project with both Miles and then my good friend Bridget, and the one um, with Bridget should be coming out in January, um, and that should be kind of fun. Uh, it's uh, going to be a history podcast, which is nice, um, but uh, but it's it, it should be a good time. Um, that's basically it, I suppose. Um, please do, uh, keep listening. Uh, it's a very good conversation that we have. She's a very interesting person. She has a very interesting life. Which is, I think, most people. Um, one of the, one of the main reasons I started doing this was kind of getting little portraits of people I knew and, like, the other, an opportunity to sit in a room and talk to them and get to know them better. Because it is this thing of, like, if you come to a person and to them in in real life in like a real quote-unquote conversation and you sit down and go well how did you feel when when your mother died you go uh, most people go hey i'm at a bar right now i don't want to talk about that but if you do it in in the context of an interview you can actually talk to people about how they feel or or what they think about certain policies or or whatever that sort of thing because most people i find are are more open to it and more honest in in this context which is kind of weird to think about because most people are famously like they they hide away and are private people but anyway she we have a really lovely conversation and i hope you enjoy it um and here we go never gone to camp despite what a lot of people think because i do look very <laughs> jewish um but uh that wasn't a concentration camp joke that was a, a stay um, <laughs> i didn't even think go, that go, 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 go. <laughs> that was a sleepaway camp yes um, but yeah i would imagine like just the, with the hormones raging and like everything oh yeah like, no. oh yeah like tell oh, me about stories. your foreign affairs oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, we're going, by the way. Of course we are. Yeah, this is how I do it, because this is the thing. Yeah, anyway, yes. I want to explain my method. Um, <laughs> no, I do... no, no, it's better to just dive in. <laughs> Don't explain anything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, that's how I work when I meet people, too. I'm just, like, all in. Oh, you didn't want to see all this, the things that are wrong with me? Too bad. Um, but, yeah. 
Uh, so you're from the area, right? Uh, kind of, yeah. I grew up in Westchester County. I was born in Manhattan. Um, okay. Yeah, both my parents were opera singers, and my mom uh, was teaching and acting for opera singers class that my dad took. Oh. So that's how they met. Nice. Um, yeah. Sexy. <laughs> yes, um, I guess so. But uh, so they, uh, yeah, they departed from doing opera, my dad, a little bit sooner than my mom did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, we stayed in the area, um, mm. cause they didn't want to put me in schools in New York city public schools. So we moved to Westchester, we're in Yonkers for a while. And then we moved out to Eastchester, oh. which is in Westchester County, which for clarification purposes is not upstate. It's just the next suburb right out of the city. Um, upstate has cows. Okay. <laughs> But yes, I got uh-huh. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's sorry, my mic was not responding for a second. That's but, okay. Yeah, so it, upstate has cows, whereas Westchester is. It just... has just lots of. Mo- I mean, mostly just suburbs, and you know, All right. very. Uh, what you think of when you think of probably Connecticut? That's yeah. kind of what it feels like. Almost England. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New England for sure. Yeah. Um, except except yeah, right out of the city. Um, so my mom was teaching voice lessons for a little bit out of the apartment that they kept in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would come back and forth with her um, and sit at the kitchen table while my mom taught voice lessons. That's (laughs) quite a lovely childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, my parents were absolutely great. Um, I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) uh, so uh, I had never had the sibling experience. Yeah. So it was always very interesting uh, encountering anyone who would treat me kind of like a, a sibling, yeah. you know, affectionately teasing me. I never knew what to make of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you not like me? Are we no. okay? Are we all right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, my mom started uh, having health problems when I was pretty young, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so she first slipped a disc in her back when I was about eight years old, and she was in traction for a while. Um, and then not long after that, just a couple of years after that, she got cancer. Uh-huh. Um, and it recurred a couple of times. And she died when I was just shy of 16. Wow. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. It was. It oh. was. But... Um, Can I ask what kind? Uh, it was breast cancer originally. Okay. Um, and then when it recurs, it just kind of shows up where, where the hell it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bad roommate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very bad roommate. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but yes, so yeah. that, I uh, that was actually, that was a lot of my childhood, my yeah. mom being sick. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I can relate to that. My mom, um, had lupus, well, has lupus. It's okay. kind of, it's kind of funny about that is, um, she got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and the chemotherapy, like, quelled the lupus because it's an autoimmune disease and chemo knocks your immune system down. So it leveled her out. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, that's so strange. Yeah, so I feel you. There's a, that thing of like, um, I know it shaped me, and I'm I'm gonna let you talk too. Um, <laughs> but it is this thing of like, I, I I became instantly aware that people do die. Yeah. And I would imagine that would be kind of a, a shaping for you as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I had lost um, my grandfather um, when I was twelve. I wasn't. It wasn't nearly as impactful for me, yeah. of course, though. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, my mom and I were 
always together practically because she was the parent that was around much more. My dad was always, you know, at work. Um, and my mom and I also were very similar. Yeah. Um, both of us had the creativity. We were both outgoing people. We were both, you know, I mean, um, my dad is much more quiet and introverted. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, my mom and I were kind of cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways and in ways actually that ended up worrying my father because, um, of my mother's anxiety. Uh And, um, I think my mother, uh, might've also been, uh, depressed sometimes, certainly when she was sick. Yeah. Um, comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah, I once actually, uh, found my mother's diary and read a page from it and it was not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, but yeah, no, I, my mom, my dad was kind of concerned that about Um, how like my mother, I actually am. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I, I guess that's not totally determined yet. Yeah, we'll see. But, but yeah, there are certainly similarities mm-hmm. uh, between us. Yeah, I get that when um, uh, I'm, I'm very similar to one of my uncles. And mm-hmm. when he was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, they're like, hey, Tristan, you might want to look into a few things, which is kind of, it's a weird litmus test that you kind of put your family through. Of, like this person is like this person and so on and so on. Yeah, I mean we're all our own people but but certainly we we do take on characteristics of the people that were around and were Mm -hmm. more prone to be like someone Mm -hmm. one than the other potentially so um i always feel like um your personality is like 80 percent uh defense mechanism and then like 10 percent characteristics that you just kind of pick up subconsciously five percent oh i like that from uh-huh. that person, I'm going to take that from them actively, mm. and then 5% who you actually are. <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. Truth to that. I might, uh, I'm going to adjust the percentages yeah. uh, sometimes, but I think that sometimes it can go through phases, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes it's more like, this is the 5% person who I am, and mm-hmm. like, I'm going to concentrate on that, or uh, see about fleshing that out, and yeah. seeing how seeing how that part of me can be more... Um, brought brought out mm-hmm. uh, um in how i actually behave in yeah. the world um sure. yeah defense mechanisms certainly are a lot of it i mean i was a very outgoing child mm-hmm. um and then but i was also kind of strange uh, okay. um yeah. <laughs> well i mean i was i i started doing theater well i i was um in an opera um, I did New York City Opera Tour when I was three um, with my... Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it was... <laughs> I mean, I was walking around on the stage and waving a flag. I was uh-huh. in Madame Butterfly. I played the little boy in oh, Madame Butterfly. Wonderful. Um, yeah, it was it was a great time. And I actually have memories from that, um, from when I was little. I have a lot of pictures to help me, but I mm-hmm. certainly have the memories in there, too. Um, and, yeah, I would just go up to the... Uh, people in the orchestra pit and, you know, made friends with all the musicians on the Mm -hmm. bus and and all of that. Um, But in school, that wasn't nearly as cool as uh, some of, I I guess, cool as being, you know, very bland at this point is what I realize. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Aloof and like, oh, there's some mystery here. It's like, yeah, but... No, yeah, I've never been like that. I've certainly... (laughs) everything's just kind of there (laughs) and not everyone responds to that as well so I was Mm -hmm. I was an easy target because I was unusual and Mm -hmm. I was also um and I also just 
was uh, I was emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. because I didn't know what it was to protect myself. So I just, you know, wore my heart on my sleeve. And then if someone was like, ha, huh, that's weird, you're mm. stupid, I, it crushed me. Yeah. It really hurt my feelings. So I kind of developed this, like, protective shell for when I was in those kinds of situations, which kind of became associated with school, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, cause that was where I was around children my age the most, again, not having siblings. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just put that shell around me and put my head down and worked because I was good at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew I could concentrate and focus on that. And then I let, uh, I let the weird come out mm-hmm. when I was doing theater or when I was at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I was much more accepted there, but breaking a, that down making sure that that doesn't come out in situations that where I don't want it to come out that yeah. defense yeah is it's actually pretty challenging sometimes and I'm still I, I feel like I'm I've gotten past that for the most part mm-hmm. but there's still situations where I feel myself going back to that and it's like no you don't need to defend yeah. yourself from this anymore yeah you're an adult thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah I'm an adult and if people don't like the weird then ah, yeah, I have plenty right. of people that that certainly do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you think the uh, emotional vulnerability came from, like, the fact that you were an only child and so you didn't have any, like, because that is something when you do have siblings, you, it toughens up your hide really well. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also just kind of, it, it's just kind of part of me, I guess. Yeah, I think that that comes from the part of the nature thing. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about a yeah. bit is nature versus nurture. Yeah. Um, certainly in that debate. Um, <laughs> a little bit of both yeah. is... It's generally the answer to that yes. question. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I just... I think it surprised me more than it could have potentially otherwise if I had had siblings, certainly, mm-hmm. um, about how mean people could be about yeah. things. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, I have been pretty open. Um, I was homeschooled. Right. So um, I kind of have a similar thing of like, um, even today, like I'll have a hard time going, well, people don't treat each other this way because I only had a family unit to go by. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time um, I'll assume people are this nice or specifically it's that like I'm a way more affectionate with people than people are used to. So it yeah. reads as some sort of other intent and I'm like no I just like you and I'm okay with hugging you like, right what, yeah. what's wrong with you are you okay or are we okay here sure and I know that's a massive source of anxiety for me and mm-hmm. um but I don't know if you've had anything similar dealing with it growing you know, like getting older and stuff yeah I mean um actually it's weird because I feel like my anxiety got mm-hmm. triggered even more when I was in college which is um strange um it it feels kind of like it was um a delayed reaction almost all right um because i'm sure certainly in school but you know i just kind of had that yeah protective wall wall there's a wall there trust me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um so after uh I, i went to college and was around a lot more people that were you know like me or i perceived that um and after a couple years after my mom had died mm-hmm. so and then being in school at NYU where there were a whole lot of really talented people mm-hmm. and you know i felt 
for no particular reason, like I was inferior to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of like all came to a head and, and I felt my anxiety really getting flared up and, yeah. um, and becoming much more intrusive in my life than I feel like maybe it had been when I was a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, when my mom was sick, I just kind of had to like keep going yeah. tunnel vision, you know, yeah. slap the blinders on and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a side note about like it's so it was so funny to me when i first started going to acting school because i kind of had the same assumption I'm like oh people are gonna be like weird open people because that's the theater yeah and then i got there and it quickly became apparent that there are jocks and there are geeks and there are cheerleaders of acting people which i had never occurred to me oh yeah and it became incredibly clear over the first month that i was still a geek mm-hmm. but i was just the nerdiest of the nerds rather than like yeah it was just sure yeah it was really fascinating because like there were like i feel like specifically a lot of young actors like oh i want to look cool like james dean and be like you know really but the thing is james dean was not cool he was emotionally volatile and that's why he was compelling and it's one of those things of like what made him cool is that he had a cigarette sticking out of his mouth right so. right the the perception can mm-hmm. be uh it can be difficult to to figure out what the perception is because people not everyone wears their heart out on their sleeve and sometimes it's a little bit further below the surface. Yeah. Um, and certainly in that kind of case, it, it could have been. But yeah, but yeah no, I, I certainly found that. I was lucky. I was in this group of people They because they split us up into groups yep. when we were at acting school. Um, I went to Playwrights Horizons Theater School in mm-hmm. within NYU, which is weirdly not for playwriting. It's just a spinoff of the actual Playwrights Horizons Theater. Um, it's mm-hmm. actually acting, directing, um, which I had never done before, directing. Um, but it teaches you pretty much everything except playwriting. Huh. Um, <laughs> there's a playwriting <laughs> there's a playwriting class that you that was an elective in like second or third year. I don't remember, but. Um, but yeah, no, I learned how to do everything uh-huh. except for, right, um, uh-huh. design, stage management, all that stuff. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was great. Um, they So they split you up into groups and like every other studio, like Stella Adler and mm-hmm. Strasbourg and stuff mm-hmm. had like group A, group B. And mm-hmm. we were like the blue group and we had, <laughs> <laughs> we had blue shirts that they gave us on the first day. So you were broken down with color oh, and the second, cool. uh, second year, the tracks that you chose were like medals mm-hmm. so what was my god what was the track i chose gold mm-hmm. acting directing track um uh-huh. but yes at any rate um lithium's so... over here <laughs> yeah, right. biocarbonate is in it <laughs> yeah um that's, that sounds like the monastery school version of college that's wonderful it was it yeah. absolutely was but yeah there were people like i feel like the red group was <laughs> really cool yeah and like i didn't know how to talk to the red group people um <laughs> they'll die first though it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, the blue group, we were this conglomeration that it was just so mixed Mm -hmm. with all of us, but we somehow got along really well and Uh became this weird family unit. Like, even though I don't talk to them nearly as much as I once did, like, it's just one of those things that if I'm in California or Washington, I know exactly who to call Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're always 
I know I can always count on them to be friends, even if we're not like actively in each other's lives right now. They're mm-hmm. always there. But yeah, these these other 16 people, we were we connected on this really i mean one of us did like very political uh theater that was like really you know very brechtian stuff and all sorts of it was very intense and then um one girl was like i like bubblegum musicals (laughs) but yet we all somehow kind of melded and i think Partly because I was so comfortable with all of them, mm-hmm. I was finally letting some of that outer shell crack a little bit, and yeah. all of the cracks started to show. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and then um, was it because of, did the anxiety like start with uh, the social aspect, or was it just you were intimidated, or I think there's a lot of all of the above. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I was having trouble reconciling, um, feeling like. <laughs> I was warned, you know, I had been a big fish in a small pond in yeah. high school. I got, you know, the leads in every show and all of that. And but but that's, you know, I was yeah. I was like, you're going to NYU, Melissa. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Don't think that. And the thing is, I never would have thought that. So other people telling me that kind of was like, oh, well, OK, I got it down to like a much lower level of uh-huh. than, oh, well, you know, I'll probably be kind of, you know, as good as some of these people or yeah. I, I brought it down to you were the worst person that got accepted to this program. <laughs> Why am I here? Yeah. yeah and absolutely. and so I built up these really weird blocks um, mm-hmm. in my acting that like I hadn't had before. And I was having trouble accessing certain things because I, I got so much packed into that like you're not as good as these other people yeah. that – it was it was really intrusive. I was having a lot of trouble, and I was absorbing things in class, like I was absorbing the techniques, but the they weren't actually coming out in my acting. And I feel mm-hmm. like once I was able to combat that a bit mm-hmm. um, during my subsequent years of college, and then uh, afterwards for a little bit, I um, I started feeling like things that I learned freshman year mm-hmm. were like settling in. I was like, oh yes, that that yeah. thing that I learned in that class when I was uh, <laughs> back a few years ago. Yeah. So you know, it it was very interesting how it wasn't manifesting, mm-hmm. um, but but I was able to still still get a lot out of it. I yeah. mean, certainly, um, Certainly, I was glad I took intro to not-for-profit theater yeah. that first year. Good. Uh, that would, seem, would seem very applicable. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I have this thought a lot of, like, you should always be taking acting classes at least, like, every two years because you change about every two years. Mm-hmm. Like, parts of, specifically your emotional state, I feel like. Um, at least with me, I'm constantly... Um, but it is... I think you should kind of check in back with yourself because like the person I was freshman year of, of my school I'm like I'm no longer that person at all yeah and that's a good thing mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so I don't know if the teenagers are shitty I don't know if you've noticed yeah no they're terrible <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the problem <laughs> I have no idea how we all get through that. Like, it is this, like, a really emotional, volatile time, and everyone's too sensitive and acting out, and then, like, oh, let's put them all together for 12 hours a day, and good luck. Oh, yeah. awful. Um, (laughs) My mother was... uh, My mom occasionally would be a counselor in different situations for uh, high school kids. Yeah. 
the moment I got into high school, she mm-hmm. said to me, I'm so glad you're out of middle school. I hate middle school kids. They're the absolute worst. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, mom, even me? She's like, less so, but yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really glad you're not in middle school anymore. Because <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, kids are, because it is just, just this thing of like, they, they haven't learned empathy a lot. And that's the mm-hmm. mark of a good person is whether or not you give a shit about other people around you. Yeah. And, like, that's why two-year-olds are essentially evil, which is, like, people are like, oh, how dare you? They're so cute. I'm like, yeah, so are cats, but they're also evil. <laughs> like, Right. They All they know is how to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. And we accept that because it's like, oh, you're two. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Oh, you're yeah. a cat. Yeah, <laughs> you would you kill don't. us if you were bigger. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so would a two-year-old. If you put a two-year-old's brain in, like, a body of a, like, oh, that'd be horrifying. <laughs> be very scary um but uh you had a you kind of had a beginner's sort of situation right yeah like after your mom passed away your dad figured out that he was gay right actually my dad knew uh that he was gay the entire time yeah um he apparently my mom knew hence the only child no. no. Um, okay. Actually, my mom miscarried um, shortly after I was oh. a couple years after I was born, and then uh, and then she actually went into an early menopause. Oh. So uh, huh. yeah, that's why I'm an only child. Fair uh, enough. Oh, except for the half brother that apparently I had. Um, <laughs> oh, I haven't told you no, about this. No, no, this is news. <laughs> I'm excited. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. When I when my mom was I guess 19, um, she had a baby and gave mm-hmm. it up for adoption. Oh. Um, and my I, my dad told me this just to backtrack for a moment, yeah. like the year after he told me he was gay. So it came, became annually. It's like, I'm going to just completely mess with your entire view of what your life is. Um, and then I made him tell me everything. Uh-huh. So there would be no more huge surprises in that respect. But at mm-hmm. any rate. Um, so, yeah, when I was a sophomore in college, uh, my dad took me out to dinner and was like, so, when we were in Houston, he was visiting my uh, mom's family um, mm-hmm. for my cousin's wedding, because my cousin was given up for adoption by my aunt, but they reconnected many years later. Uh-huh. So, this cousin was getting married, and they were like, she's the one bringing us together, and she's the one we gave away, yeah. and we should try to find Lee's son, mm-hmm. my mom's son. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, I don't feel like she would be okay with that. (laughs) But they kind of just did. And so, um, so they, they did, they, Uh they found out what had happened to him and not happy. He apparently, um, he died of cancer when he was about seven or eight, something like that. Damn. Yeah. So this is, this story was related to me in slightly more detail. Mm -hmm. Basically, like, I've just related it to you. I found out all that information at once. <laughs> like, right. but here's the thing. Like, none of that, like, it's not applicable at all. Because he's, like, this sounds crass, but, like, he's not around. So it's not like, yeah. oh, this is your this is your half-brother. Come meet him. It's like, oh, well, you had this, th- and now this, there's nothing to be done. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how to feel about that. Cause <laughs> oh, totally. Oh. No, it... Yeah. For I mean, because for a little bit, I mm-hmm. thought that it was going towards you have a half brother yeah. and he lives in blah blah blah, yeah. and I was gonna like, all right, um, uh-huh. but but no, it just kind of became a very strange story about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yes, a year before that dinner, oh, sorry, You're fine. Um, a year before that dinner, I uh, my dad sat me down um, 
and told me that he was gay. Mm -hmm. And I kind of started processing it for a second and realized, oh, yeah, no, that that totally makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. I completely get that. Um, The only thing that kind of weirded me out about it was I already I, I had always thought that they had such a great relationship my mom and my dad yeah and so I was like was the whole thing a lie mm-hmm. except that no it wasn't it they had a wonderful very affectionate relationship mm-hmm. my dad was very good with uh, my mom while she was sick mm-hmm. uh, totally broken apart when she died and um, so it, it was absolutely the relationship I thought it was yeah um, but yeah, uh, apparently when he was uh, younger, he had this realization, of course, that he's gay. Uh, he went to NYU in the 70s mm-hmm. and he had some boyfriends, but he always had known and decided that he was going to marry a woman um, and have a family huh. because he did not think that it would be acceptable, mm. um, especially to his father. I see. Um, yeah. And so that was just a thing that was in his brain and that was what he was going to do. Um, so then... You know, many years later after losing my mom and, you know, with this daughter at theater school in mm-hmm. New York, um, who he figured would probably be okay with it. Yeah. Um, he he finally came out mm-hmm. and was just saying, you know, since we did lose your mother, I, I feel like I just have to be completely honest with mm-hmm. everyone and myself. Yeah. He uh, he actually came out to me before he came out to my grandmother, huh? who was still alive at the time. And she said, I know. But yeah, of course. <laughs> like, I still love you. Yeah. That's kind of, that does seem to be the case with mothers. Is that, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. 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 Very little surprises there. Um, that's really, that's fascinating. Um, and you, this is kind of um did your mom know too like did they sit down and talk and like they're like so so... that was what i that's what my dad told me um so so yeah he he knew my mom knew um he had told her and i don't know exactly what that conversation was i that's one that's one thing that i will never know that i will always be curious about but uh yeah no my mom knew they're both sitting like you know i'm gay right oh yeah (laughs) Still love you. Yeah, still love you. What's on? Like, just moving back. Like, that's no, a... I'm sure it was a much bigger yeah. conversation. Also, you know, mm-hmm. my my dad had known, of course, about the child that she had given up for adoption. Yeah. My mom always seemed to be this open book as well. Yeah. And I'm sure that she would have told me a lot of things when I got older. But it's one of those things that she... There's plenty of things that I'm sure she never got a chance to tell me. Yeah. Because um, I just... I mean, I, I was... All I was about sixteen, so mm-hmm. there's just some things that you don't discuss with your teenage and much younger, of course, daughter. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, I'm sure that there would have been other mm-hmm. conversations, but yeah. No, she had always talked about her boyfriends in high school yeah. and after college and stuff, and you know, she was engaged before my dad and blah 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 blah. And my dad talked about one girlfriend in uh, high school, uh-huh. and then no one else <laughs> before my mother. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> which struck me as odd, but mm-hmm. I didn't ask too many questions about it. But yeah. now that makes perfect sense because yep. he had boyfriends. <laughs> yep, that's excellent. Um. Um, so, this, what's the NYU program like? Like, I, I've worked with a, them a couple of times, but I've always been very fascinated, because they seem to just be doing their own weird thing. 
Yeah, okay. NYU is is great. Uh, NYU Tisch, because mm. there's a lot of different... There's musical theater kids who went to Steinhardt in the School of Education mm-hmm. um, also, and that's a completely separate thing. All right. Because um, sometimes people will tell me, I know someone who went to NYU for mm. musical theater. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to ask how many questions, like mm-hmm. wh- when... Which program for musical theater? Because I probably didn't know this person. Um, It's a rather big school. It it really is. And actually, that's one of the striking things about it. Their Mm -hmm. drama department is much bigger than a lot of other schools. Because there are all these crazy schools that accept like 10 people a year for theater. And it's really, you know, that's... Like how do you how do you get into that? Um, (laughs) Also, how do you sustain a business that way? I know. I guess... I, so many questions. Yeah, going back to my school, I'm like, I, there was a few people that you are a tuition baby. That is what you are. That is okay, though. No yeah. worries. Oh, sure. Yeah. Gosh, it's so... Auditioning for schools mm. was also a very weird thing for me because um, I had, you know, focused on six programs and, you know, many of them were the, you know, 10 people get accepted a year. So mm. I was not... You know, I I thought I was plenty good enough, but the odds are just terrible. Yeah. Um, and then I also, I was rejected from the musical theater program for my safety school. Oh. Um, but it was it was a very strange audition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't have gone if they had accepted me because of how <laughs> odd the audition was. Like, one of the women told me that I should wear more makeup and present myself more like a woman. And I was mm. very turned off. Yeah. Um, that was not okay no. with me. Um. But I, I know other people who have been through that program and seem to love it. But so great. But yeah. I would not. That gave me a very odd vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I and then I got accepted to NYU and I was like, all right. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, flipped, uh, <laughs> I flipped off imaginary people. Um, <laughs> yes, um, it's it is. It's much bigger. There's a lot of different um, schools within mm-hmm. NYU Tisch. So they have like. Stella Adler and Playwrights Horizons Theater School and at one point they had Cap 21 and mm. now I think it's a different program called the News New Studio New Studio I think Something that's what like it that. is yeah I don't know what it is now um but yeah there's a lot of different studios and they have you know broken down different groups in it so there's there's hundreds of drama kids at NYU yeah um which is great and terrifying because yeah. there's so many people so auditioning for any of the main stage productions is like very there's it, your odds are not good. Like, there's a lot of schools that, you know, you're going to be in a play. Mm-hmm. Where at NYU, like, you might not be in a play mm-hmm. if you go. And, of course, with all of the things that were going on in my brain at the yeah. time and how yeah. freaked out I made myself about absolutely everything having mm-hmm. to do with acting. Um, yeah, my my auditioning was was suffering a lot during that time. So, yeah, uh, so yeah it was... Uh, it's... They don't... It's not a very, like fostering environment like Mm. they don't really care for you as much not that they don't care about you but it's not like they're not they're not coddling you yeah um it's like there's lots of you Mm. like out of this room like this is the first day i'm not kidding like out of this room two of you will be successful in theater like that kind of thing it's like okay I'm still going to stay and do it, though. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've had a lot of people go on to do other things. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, still doing theater. Mm-hmm. And that's great. If you're happy doing something else, fantastic. Yeah. Um, There's that old adage, if you're doing, if you can't do anything else, do it. Because this is a hard business. Sure. I mean, can is um, a 
an interesting word though because mm. if you can do something else then like i can do other things like a lot of people can do other things but mm. if you can love doing something else yeah, then fair. do that it's mm. easier probably almost guaranteed yeah. But if you can't really love doing anything else, then okay, it's going to be tough, but you can figure out a way to do it. And sometimes you have to make it happen. Um, mm -hmm. But that's been my problem. Every other thing I've loved doing, I'm like, this is harder than acting. Like, why Why do you only like things that are difficult? For really? Us? Well, yeah, like the main other thing is stand-up comedy, and oh, that's well. a bit and a half. Like, <laughs> okay. there's no good way to break into that. And They're then... not... Okay, well, I mean, those are in the same... Yeah, performing. ...general world, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, two, I had two thoughts. Yeah. Well, two major thoughts. Um, and one of them was the shame of like not getting guaranteed because I think I feel like the way all acting schools should work is you you have a class and then you put on a play every like month or so yeah because I remember I was going to um, the community college back in Rochester mm -hmm. and I was working with this great teacher Jerry Casper and he uh, was he ran the class and then I also got cast in Rabbit Hole and he was directing it so literally everything I learned in the class I re apply to rehearsal the night of and so you just go oh and then it's just repetition and then you don't have to think about it anymore and you're good oh yeah and then the second thought was in regards to auditioning my teacher one of my teachers at um, nice to uh, said this really beautiful thing and I've heard it from a couple other actors it's like you're not gonna get the gig you're just not going to just accept that you're not going and then make them wish that they could Mm. And you go in and just do the best you can, and then you're. But you're not gonna get it. You gotta get out of that mindset because otherwise you're just gonna be thinking about. Uh, I know I've suffered from that a few auditions, specifically um, in, when it comes to any sort of like monetary reimbursement. Like I, I didn't know a thing was paid, and then it was a, a union house, so it was a non-union contract, but they could they figured out how to do it and mm -hmm. so it was like a thousand dollars for the rehearsal process alone yeah and I, I just bombed because I couldn't I, I'm like I'm I don't belong here I what am I doing what's this is terrible and it's but if you think oh I'm not gonna do it and that's how Mark Hamill got the role of Joker from Batman animated series because it's like there's no way sure there's, they're gonna hire Luke Skywalker to be the Joker and so, <laughs> I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna Give them the best damn thing they ever saw. Oh, sure. So it's spiked. So, yeah, enjoying <sighs> playing in the audition room mm -hmm. is, I think that that's probably part of the key mm -hmm. um, to get to where you can be like, this is my chance to play, even if it's mm -hmm. for a half a minute. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I couldn't get past that for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Having the opportunity to do a full show mm -hmm. is really I mean, to be able to apply what you learn, because there's only so much you can do with a monologue or mm -hmm. a scene. Um, and being able to do an entire song instead of 16 bars of a song um, yeah. is, it's it's a huge, it's a world of difference. You can really explore so much more of the technique that you've been taught in those, in those situations where you get to do the entire story, the arc, if you will, yeah. of the character, <laughs> um, or even just of the moment. Mm -hmm. So... Sure. Um, yeah, I've really, I feel like a lot of what I've learned has, you know, crystallized a lot more as I've been able to do entire plays, entire songs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
and um a lot of, and i agree like we had a lot of we had what's known as actors lab in my uh in my school and it was like a lot of uta hagen sort of stuff so it was mm-hmm. all very like heady um writing stuff down and like all this homework i was like one of three people that actually did the damn thing uh, hmm. that, that always frustrated the hell out of me like you are you're paying money to learn oh yeah B- do it yes um yeah. but it is this thing of like um when you were working on scenes, it felt like it was too much work because you're just working on one scene in class mm. and you're doing all this character work for one scene. And you're like, this is fucking stupid. I'm just going to like, I'm not, I don't even know if my scene partner is going to show up to this class. Yeah. And then once I started doing like specifically plays outside of it, it, it everything made sense. I'm like, oh, yep. No, this is like, you like the, you'll see me. You've seen me with my binder. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I took away from that. And it's the most, like, just being able to fully commit to a show as well is really great. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, different techniques work for different people. That's also mm-hmm. part of um, PHTS, Playwrights, Stars, and Theater School. We um, The acting that they taught was kind of a conglomeration of lots of things. Yeah. And you could use what worked for you. Yeah. Because there's no one way to get at a character, uh-huh. um, which is really quite freeing because I got, again, intimidated by, you know, oh my God, I have to come at it from this way and this perspective mm-hmm. and I have to completely lose myself and if I don't believe I'm the character and I'm <laughs> shit and it's, that's absolutely not the case. No. You have to not be entirely the character otherwise you are going to probably i mean in certain circumstances certainly not be in a very good place yeah we've i think we've talked about this a little bit yeah <laughs> um, method acting is very taxing and yeah it's, i was talking to one of the people at work yesterday and i was like i don't really like costumes for halloween and it's like why i didn't really like dressing up at comic-con either it's mm. because like in my mind then i'm that person the whole day oh sure for as long as the costume is on that's who i am and that's exhausting i don't know how daniel day lewis does it he's a crazy person yeah and it's like it's just that it's like and it's like that being said he's also being paid thousands and thousands of dollars to do it if that was the case i'd be like yeah i'll wear myself out doing that but yeah i mean i i can't i cannot do that i if i got too far into a character i would not i had an experience where um probably the closest i've got to that Mm -hmm. was in and i always when i'm working on um something that's particularly like if i'm working on a shakespearean tragedy yeah like are you okay melissa because <laughs> it seeps in without me even knowing uh-huh. it because i am not method like i get out of scene and i'm like okay i'm gonna go watch tv now mm. i'm gonna, gonna go... think about dogs yeah yep. <laughs> i'm gonna think about dogs um yep. yeah but but like it'll seep in and mm-hmm. i'll find myself in unconsciously getting a little bit Um, But yeah, during Romeo and Juliet, at one point during one particular rehearsal, we Mm. had been rehearsing um, at my director's um, house in, uh, like a shore house in uh, Maryland, which was awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a lovely story. Yeah, we we had a seven person cast. So we took two cars down and we rehearsed for a weekend at the shore house. And it was, and then we went to the Ren Fair on Sunday. It was awesome. Um, we, I don't know how that managed to work, but it just, we all figured it out and made it happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we went from having like kind of a play to like having a play. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was so helpful. We did a line through while it thundered and lightninged outside <laughs> and I was saying things about lightning and it lightninged. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. But there was one of the rehearsals I almost you know, I was like 90% in and mm. it was not good. Like it wasn't even, 
I don't think it was even good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it was actually good acting yeah. at that point. I think it was just me being devastated on stage. And, yeah. Because my director was like, Melissa, watch with the crying. And I'm like, not doing it on purpose. It yeah. just happened. Because yeah. I was just, like, weeping through an entire <laughs> scene. And it wasn't even... Yeah focused and appropriate at those yeah. moments it was it was too much it was uh, too much i get that yeah i feel like a lot of it's a acting like this sounds glib but acting's a lot easier than people make it out to be hmm. like i feel like in a way because it is this thing of john lovitz said this beautiful thing is like all acting is is walking and talking and i do that every day so <laughs> And it's like, in a way, that's kind of right. Being seen and heard is the first thing. And then, like, if you're just emotionally available, then you're good uh, as, like, as part of the quote-unquote acting part of it. Like, Mm. that's why I like the notebook thing because you write all this stuff down and you, like, absorb it. And, like, at least that's how it works. And then it's on a subconscious level. And you're just going in and you're that thing rather than thinking actively. I remember when I started out, I'm like, oh, right, I have to hunch my shoulder this way. I would constantly have to remind me of character ticks that I'd make. Whereas, Mm. like, now it feels more like I'm just doing the thing. That's actually, that's the goal. Yeah. Um, And that's actually a very tricky thing for a lot of people. Do the work and then forget about it. Mm. Um, Yeah. And I... (laughs) certainly um when i was younger i was i was not able to do that i'm like am i doing the work am i doing enough work did i do all the work Mm -hmm. am i thinking about the work enough (laughs) um so so yeah it's much more helpful especially when you have a director that you trust when you can be like okay if i'm not doing the right thing they're gonna tell me Mm -hmm. if it's not making sense within the world of the play they're gonna tell me absolutely Um, because that's what i think the director's purpose is is to Mm. make sure that everything fits together and reads um so so yeah actor you do your work and and then and then forget about it that which is is harder than it sounds honestly yeah i actually i know some there are some people that are emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. that are pretty darn good actors that's fair which is which is weird there is this thing as well and like um uh, I mean, like, it, it depends on the character. Like, that's the character yeah. thing. I know I have to be emotionally available because, like, that's who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, bringing your temperament to that person. And, like, that sounds like, oh, then you're not quote-unquote acting. I'm like, well, you really shouldn't be if you're going for realism. Um, and then the thing is, as well, about not being emotionally available. Like, what's more compelling is watching someone be affected and then trying to quell it. I yes. think. 100% I, of the time. I agree with that. Um, and what I, I mean is... I feel like the people who are good actors and are not emotionally available mm-hmm. could be better if they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's one of those, like, we're constantly struggling to find that balance of, okay, what's too emotionally available? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, is true in life, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've certainly struggled with, struggled uh-huh. with that. Yeah. What's too much honesty? What's too much? <laughs> it's like, at what point do I have to be like, mm, mm, okay, keep that one in the back pocket, yeah. <laughs> deal with it a little later, mm-hmm. so that in this interaction we can have a functional conversation, whatever needs to happen. Absolutely. I will talk to my therapist about this in this week's section, session. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, it is the thing, Like there, and I wrote a little essay about this, Like there are a lot of moments where um, people are just like ordinarily kind. Like, they just do a little thing, and uh, I almost start crying. I, like, it means a lot to me, and, like, I know it's disproportionate, and that's the... 
like in a way it's a really good thing in a way because like you're like oh you take meaning out of every moment you're alive but on the other hand that's very exhausting and people don't sure. know, react well to it oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> i mean i think that's lovely yeah. um but but at the same time yeah you gotta yeah it's y- like, you gotta get to get it to a point where you're taking care of yourself honestly most importantly yeah because if you're functioning in a way that's productive for you, you can be more helpful to other people. Absolutely. You um, cannot pour out of an empty cup. True. Very true. Yeah. Like, to, as an example, I was at a concert and I had this water bottle and I dropped the damn thing. And this woman that I had just met today picked it up and handed it to me. And I, like, welled up a little bit. And one of my <laughs> friends goes, Dude, were you moved by that? <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's like, I don't know this person. They were kind to me. That's amazing. I don't know. Like, <laughs> life is like, I don't know. No, that's, oh, God. So I love Our Town, the play Our Town. Yes, yes. It, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the end. Um, God, spoilers. Um, it's when, a, it's I know. For, for Our Town. If you don't want to be spoiled for Our Town. I'm going to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. Don't worry about it. Excellent. Um, no, but for the main character where Emily is dead, and she says, mm. do people ever realize life while they live it every, yeah. every minute? Um, and the stage manager responds, saints and poets maybe they uh. do some um and yeah i mean the smell of coffee like there mm-hmm. are so many wonderful wonderful things about this world and yeah. people are always like the mta is a fucking asshole yeah. and it is but it's like all right but, <laughs> but, but you, you can... still smelled coffee this morning like that's great actually mm-hmm. and um, the fact that you even have trains to use at all it's, it's a true. miracle of modern invention we're not using horses you don't have to walk that's a it's fantastic. It is. It's amazing. And um, I have to realize that because I will likely be complaining about the trains tomorrow. Absolutely. Yes. If yep. not later on today. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's healthy to realize where things could be better and, mm-hmm. you know, like, get angry, oh, get annoyed. But, like... As long <sighs> as it's constructive and positive. Like, there's... I feel like we have a lot of criticism today's society but it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't go towards like doing anything about it it just like floats in the air like i'm venting and i'm like well that's cool but sure do something with it and i mean yeah venting is helpful to a point yeah um cause I, I learned that a little while <laughs> when i was younger too because yeah. um i knew i needed to vent about some things when i was anxious about them like I was once, uh, one of the breakups I've had, like, I, I had to vent about it, yeah. and I had vent about it quite a bit, and then I realized, wait a second, okay, what, where does it become unhelpful? Yeah. Also, who am I talking to, mm-hmm. and who is actually being helpful to me, and letting me vent in a productive way, and who is actually detrimental to me? Different people in your life are good for different things like you can't always talk to the same person about everything in your life because Mm -hmm. they're not going to be the best person to help you with all of those things but at any rate and that even is applicable if you have like a counselor or a therapist like it's good to have them to go to about um like mental stuff or like if you're feeling a certain way but like what you should do with your you never go to your therapist for acting advice like it's one of those things you have to like um you can't you should go to a wide variety. Like, it's, I think, the the smartest people try and take from every part of life. And, like, this is also applicable to what you were saying with your school with acting. I think that's the best way to do it is, like, there's no one method of mm-hmm. to life either. And since people are constantly changing and evolving, that does also change for you. Um, 
also on a similar note that reminded me of uh in regards to the acting thing they always said that at my school too and then they would also like try to teach their method and like have you approach that <laughs> was like well which do you want results or do you want me to try and learn your method yeah because like i have a thing that i do and i can't like and that was the platform year was mostly like you're learning these methods and um <laughs> a lot of them i didn't agree with um, <laughs> you just told like 10 stories with that sigh <laughs> yep <laughs> and then what was beautiful about the second year was like it was just about res- it was 100 percent results based and it's like i don't like that's why i love the on camera and the the scene studies classes like what works for you are you a good actor finding what kind of actor you are and um and that was really wonderful because, like, and I've been pretty vocal about, like, I, I did Meisner technique. Mm-hmm. It's not my friend. Like, it's <laughs> it's okay. It made me a better actor. It made me pre- more present sure. and engaged. But all, like, and I was, <laughs> I was talking to someone about this. It's like there was a moment in, uh, I did, like, a year of Meisner. And she had a very good teacher. I want to preface. She was a very good teacher. I didn't learn it well. But there was one moment in the movie Goodwill Hunting that mm. taught me more about empathy than anything that she had been like. And that's the other thing is like, they're like, oh, it's about listening and responding. No, it's about empathy and connection. Like, that's what you're asking for. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And if you use that word, I feel like it's more effective because listening is like, well, then you're just present and engaged. But that's how you naturally are as a person. If you're done the work of an actor, like, then you're not thinking about lines and stuff, I yeah. think. It's so interesting because the terms we use the language that we use to talk about things sometimes we can be saying the same word and mean completely different things because language is you know a poor representation really i mean we do our best Mm -hmm. but what is it like (laughs) there's there's something about the words that you say are only i keep hitting your mic i'm sorry okay that's why it's got the shock mount oh good yeah Uh, (laughs) i gesticulate um yeah we uh it's only partially the words we say and by uh comparison it's not nearly as much the words we say as the tone we say it in and mm-hmm. the look on our face when we say it that's why emailing is so tricky yeah. because because you have to choose your words so carefully because they can be misinterpreted yep. like 10 ways to sunday they can be misinterpreted mm-hmm. and <laughs> oh god i'm <laughs> so angry about people's emails yeah. and when i talk to them in person it's fine yeah you know, there's certain people that i've learned i cannot have a text message conversation with mm-hmm. you without like 12 emojis because i think we're having an argument like one of my yeah. good friends actually that i um did i did a lot of theater with him um and we were actually i the other um i i haven't even mentioned yet um i run a theater company um fools and kings project yeah. um but yes <laughs> uh, i also used to be part of uh the one of the founders of Cupcake Lady Productions, okay. um, and I, uh, yeah, one of my good friends uh, that I ran that company with, he and I could not communicate via text message. Mm-hmm. We sat down and had a person in person conversation, and we were fine. Yeah. But like we were tense with each other for like a good over a week, mm-hmm. um, and then we sat down and had an in person conversation and realized that we had just been missing each other's communication. Like yeah. everything we were doing was being misinterpreted on both ends. Yep. And so we just sat down and talked about it and we the rest of it was, you know, good mm-hmm. and solid from there on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there It's so yeah. And that's why I and I mentioned this because I was having a conversation with a younger person that I met and she just, we were talking about punctuation and text. And that's why I use it mm-hmm. because I want to be incredibly clear about yes. 
how I feel about what I am saying because, okay. Yeah. Has a mil. You can project anything you want onto that. That one, like those two syllables, that one word, it's like it can mean a million things and it's the worst. And that's why I don't like to. I'm like, I will call you in five minutes. Yeah. And then you can hear how I sound. Yeah. If, if it's not like, you know, a. I need to meet you at this specific mm-hmm. time because this is our plans. Yeah, yep. yeah, no, it's if you're actually talking about anything of, su- of substance, it's much more helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I can gather my thoughts better if I'm writing them down, mm-hmm. but if I have to have like a really important conversation, I will, I will take notes to it because <laughs> I mean, if yeah. it's if it comes down to it being that important, Absolutely, like you just. Yeah. I, that's how I can connect. I can be like, I need to hit these points so mm-hmm. I don't get sidetracked because I do a lot. Yeah. Um, what? But, what? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's better to hear it in person, but, mm-hmm. but then I find it useful to write down my thoughts so that then in person I can... I can relay everything more successfully. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes. Yeah, and we've um kind of talked about about it uh, here and there, but like you, you and I both have this like buzzing in our heads constantly of a million mm-hmm. things. Um, have you been diagnosed with anything, or are you just just how you've been living? I actually I have um I have generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. which uh, people in my textbooks I double majored in psych as well. Oh. Um, and so mm-hmm. I remember reading in my textbooks that it's the common cold of anxiety disorder. Yes. Of, like I. <laughs> of mental disorders and it's like okay yeah great so it's like it's a cold which is weird to think about because it kind of makes it it's kind of dismissive sounding and it's like well no it's still a real thing and it's Mm -hmm. an issue and it's you know a perpetual issue imagine Um, having a cold every single day of your life you're not going to breathe so good yeah yeah um no uh, that's that's all i've been diagnosed Mm -hmm. with and i think that that's i think that that's correct from Mm -hmm. you know my 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 bachelor's degree that i have i'm like yeah no that i think that's probably right like i Mm -hmm. have i have uh inklings occasionally of depression but not not really it Mm -hmm. usually manifests itself much more as anxiety yeah um which i do trip over a lot (laughs) from time to time but yeah there there is a constant like I, I think of, I have lots of thoughts and sometimes I get ahead of myself in mm-hmm. my brain and what I'm saying out loud does not always yeah. successfully relay all those things, yeah. uh, which is part of why I like theater because mm. then I get to have someone who was able to gather beautiful words mm-hmm. um, and then I can just channel that and I don't have to worry about my words being, mm-hmm. you know. Im- you don't have the best words like our yeah. future president. <laughs> he said ironically um yeah i i totally understand that um and that's i feel like um often i come across as like an impatient bitch because like while people are talking i know the end of the sentence and i'm on to the next one like and it's like it's not my fault i'm sorry i can't because i this happened with a co-worker of mine like i'm like i'm sorry i cut you off she's like yeah you got you know we gotta work on that i'm like yeah i know i'm sorry i'm trying to i'm constantly yeah. in a state of like I'm sorry I'm working on this like no matter what it is I feel like that's how I am but um but I always feel like um you know like I feel like in general anxiety is kind of like a weird version of hyperactivity though as well hmm. because like um at least that's been my experience with it but of course like I'm coming from a hyperactive mindset right um but it also suggests just like 
a, a rapidity of thought like because you're thinking like five things at a time yeah it's cyclical thinking in a lot of cases yeah, yeah. and it is like um I think that's actually a a smarter person as well. And, like, it also makes you better at problem solving. So there's always ups to it, like, positives to it. But it also is, like, I need to not be in a panic attack right now at other times. Yeah. um, Well, the thing is, Mm -hmm. um, I'm very good at dreaming of the worst possible thing that could happen Uh in a certain situation. (laughs) Um, And that is what I tend to end up concentrating on. Okay. Um, So that's... And it's intrusive, like it's mm-hmm. so that becomes the thing that's going to happen, even if it's not likely. Yeah, I think the worst possible thing is going to happen. And the thing that I try to do with all my cyclical thoughts is mm. I try to prepare for that so that somehow, if I mm. think that the worst possible thing is going to happen when it actually happens, it you know won't be as bad, which yeah. isn't true. No, it never. just makes me, you know physically ill and mentally ill for you know a period of time leading up to that like indecision is the if someone needs to come to a decision about something Mm -hmm. like that not knowing is the worst for me if if i know what's going to if the thing happens then i can deal with what the consequences of that are Mm -hmm. but like you know going into it if i have to have a serious discussion with someone Mm -hmm. The lead up is worse than the actual discussion. Absolutely, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, one of my my coworkers a few months ago, she goes, oh, I, um, I want to talk to you about something, and the, yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, you just said the worst possible words to someone who has anxieties, because yep. now I'm like, is it this? Is it this? Is it that? Yep. Is that? And okay, this is the worst thing it could be. It's definitely this. Yes. Um, in this case, it was, but uh, we talked about it. It was fine. Um, right, because then, because then you can actually handle it and deal mm-hmm. with it you have some semblance of control yeah I, I feel like my mind is trying to control something about the outcome and you can't control other people yeah like they're going to do what they're going to do you can't and, and that's the problem is my mind is trying to control the other th- the things that other people are going to do when mm. I in the you know logical part of my brain mm-hmm. know that that's not how it works yeah uh, Gene Wilder's therapist said something uh very interesting he goes what do you think the definition of neurotic is and she said um it's trying to fix a problem and and he's like oh i would i can't remember what he added to it but it's like it's constantly trying to fix a problem or something like that like and like uh-huh. i feel like that's what anxiety is a lot of it like there's your brain sees there's like there's got to be something wrong all the time and like i know um there's this fun little uh it's like an emotional projection where you like you feel anxious and then you find a problem to prescribe it to oh yeah which is totally arbitrary and that's the most frustrating thing i think for other people to deal with because you're Mm -hmm. like i'm really anxious so this is going wrong it's like wrong it's like no that that we're fine you're just scared because there's something wrong with your brain yeah and it's interesting because i feel like the actual crisis situations for the most part that i've been involved in like when my mother's illness mm-hmm. uh, and my mother's my her subsequent death like I surface level handled it pretty darn well yeah. like my grief was kind of it kind of started manifesting itself in other things later in other mm-hmm. less consequential things that I couldn't control because I had these feelings like bubbling inside of me somewhere and so you know in the aftermath of it I was you know very very sad of course mm-hmm. but but then there was something about it that like lingered and was triggered by other stuff coming later that I couldn't necessarily control yeah. like I feel like 
I have handled when I was uh, in high school in college um, there's some breakups that I handled really mm. really badly and mm-hmm. it came out of the you know the feeling that I wanted to control the situation because I knew I couldn't control my mm-hmm. mother's illness like that was a thing that I knew what the things were that were going to happen mm-hmm. and if this then that if it gets worse my mother will die mm-hmm. and it's like that makes sense to me it's horrible but it makes sense whereas with you know my college boyfriend I didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. and you know it seemed like he was getting ready to end things but I didn't know why and I didn't feel like I could control it but I felt like I should be able to control it because uh-huh. it was about me yeah so that was that was where it kind of then ended up manifesting so yeah. so like when I'm dealing grief is a weird thing um, and it happened and it's different for different people and it's different in different situations mm-hmm. um, like my mother's death and then my my dog's death which was also very difficult difficult for me were very different things and my feelings following both of those were um, had very different effects on my life I feel like um, so so yeah it, it bubbles up in other places and then I try to control these situations that I can't control but I feel like I should be able to I yeah. guess is where I'm going with that yeah, that makes sense. And I think we've all, specifically in regards to the breakup, like we, because it is this thing of like, everyone knows when it's about to happen. Like, it is the thing of like, you get a sense, the energy changes, you're like, okay, we're done here. And then like, if you have someone that just comes out and says that, like, I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking like, this isn't working out, then that's fine. But if you like, wishy-washy about it it's the worst and i know i have been wishy-washy about it in the past and i hate it and like i hate myself for doing that because i've been on the receiving end of it sure but i totally understanding the, the desire to try and control things that you can't because it is like the world's a scary place and like it is this thing of like people i feel like with anxiety are just more attuned to that yeah and, i think there is a lot of that in there yeah yeah and i think um it also comes from, like I would, the, like I said at the beginning of this thing, of uh, being aware of your own mortality. And when you are aware that people do die, it, you get nervous about it because, and like, this is why I, I have a hard time with when people just kind of like leave without saying goodbye. It's the worst because I'm like, I could never see them again. I yeah. could die or they could die. And like, if I'm angry with someone, I never want them to leave. I want to sit down and I want to, because I don't want the last memory I have. And like, that's such a bizarre, like people like, you got to calm down. I'm like, no, this no. is just how, this is more realistic than the way you're living. I'm sorry, but it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh God. And I'm of course, you know, there are people uh, again, in, in regards to an, the end of relationships, mm. um, that are like, yeah, this relationship ended, I never want to see this person again. Yeah. And to an extent, I often can, like, under certain circumstances, I'm like, that's fair. Yeah, you probably don't need that person in your life. Yeah. And I have come to terms with that in some ways. But especially mm-hmm. after my I lost my mom, I was like, what? if you care about this person, like, maybe you don't need it. Maybe it's not correct to have them in a romantic mm-hmm. um, part of your life. Maybe that doesn't work now anymore, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But, like, if they're important to you in some way, like, even if it's not, you know, even if it's a peripheral way, like, keep them keep them in your life. Don't cut them mm-hmm. completely off. That could be a valuable person. And I... <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 the worst about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And I'm usually um, 
unfortunately, it's usually me that wants that and the other person who's like, nope, don't yeah. have anything to do with you. Yeah. So I'm just like, mm, that's yeah. a darn shame. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've kind of been, I'm that way as well. Um, but it is like, and also it's this thing of like, if you like someone, just let them know. Like, because it is this thing of we're all going back to the whole like being cool thing. Yeah. Um, I found that a lot of people are trying to be aloof and trying to be like, like they give people shit when they want to say, I like you. And I'm yeah. like, no, just come out and be like, no, I really like you. I think you're a really cool person. And then there you go. And, um, but that's not comfortable for pretty much anyone these days. And oh, I don't goodness. know why. And, um, that's why I did the, I, for my birthday, I wrote a bunch, everybody, a bunch of letters. I still haven't given a couple out because I haven't seen them since, but like, because mm-hmm. it was the thing of like, that's the, the best way to do that. I find is if you like write someone a note, they're like, Oh, this is very sweet. Whereas like, if you come up, look at them in the eye, I'm like, I love you. Yeah. They're like, everyone's, Oh God. Because the consequences, like the mm-hmm. potential consequences, especially, you know, someone with anxiety are so mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. They are so potentially scary. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. And I actually, in one circumstance had, um, after, you know, I had gone through a breakup and my dog died within two days of each other a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, ripple effect of that was weird um um, usa (laughs) but yeah um no but i i really liked this person and um then finally at my birthday that year Mm -hmm. everyone all of my friends knew and he showed up and everyone was like come together like (laughs) melissa and you know of course i had been so the um, adult version of shoving two people in a closet and being like play a game it was yeah. yeah no there was actually uh, yes it was it was very there, funny there, was... there were people like planting seeds all night it was ridiculous uh. the party but at any rate um we ended up dating briefly um and <laughs> uh, and he was like so were you just not gonna ever tell me i'm like i felt like this was a weird time considering i went through a breakup <laughs> of two years like yeah. two months ago and my dog yep. died the day after mm-hmm. so he's like no i guess that's true I'm like yep. yeah no i would have eventually gotten there but mm-hmm. but of course the longer it takes the longer it builds up in your mind and mm-hmm. gets scarier and scarier it becomes this big monster of you know the world will end if i if i confess these uh these things if i confess my feelings yeah. um which like i i get like i'm i'm that way and trying to record a podcast stomach um and it is this thing like i i get very anxious around people i i fancy and um which i like that term because we have this dumb term in america like no 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 and i'm like i like everybody (laughs) but i fancy a few people (laughs) yes um and i do get like awful clumped and nervous and stuff but it is like but you're right when you should just kind of be forthright about it but um that's uh, the, the, that example was actually really great of a, a certain level of emotional maturity that you had and like because like things sometimes it's just not the right time yeah and I think people gotta like they gotta think about that a little bit more yeah because like I've liked people and like I think we'd be really great together but just not right now because oh, yeah, I'm no. a mess or they're a mess and timing is really like a lot of the it. odds <laughs> of you like both you finding someone you like and then they like you, and then you're also right for each other, and it's also the right time. That's 
I don't think I'm ever going to be married because of those odds. And I'm okay with that. Well, I don't, I don't know. Because I am not under the illusion that there's one perfect person for no. anyone. I think that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's not unromantic. Mm. Like that's, I, I think it's lovely because I think that you can, you could, you have the potential of loving lots of different yeah. people. But what, when a relationship works mm-hmm. is when the timing is right you're both in a certain emotional place like Mm -hmm. there's so many things and then you choose that person you actively choose them and then like might you still encounter people that could be right for you yeah yes but you know like and but then if you're committed to this one person and that's what you choose to do then you're like Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that that could have been that could have been another possibility. Or mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I have I have lots of thoughts on this subject. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. and like I'm kind of the same way of like um, uh, I'm a huge fan of the multiverse theory because of that. Like every time I miss an opportunity, I'm like, oh, there's another yeah. there's Tristan out there that has that thing that I want now, but I can't have because right. it's not right for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do think there is someone who is right for you, and it's your mother. No, it's um, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's your best friend. Like mm-hmm. that's who your actual soulmate is. And if your best friend also happens to be of the aligning gender that you prefer, and you're romantic with them, more power to you. Sure. But I don't. I have. I've rarely found that, and I don't think like I'm gonna be really candid here is like it's miles because like we've known each other for 11 years we've always gotten along and like we're basically like brothers sure and so it's that it's like the person in my life that's the most consistently that way is a friend and I think there's also there's this weird um, emphasis placed on romantic relationships when there ought not be because friendship's amazing and um i've come to this conclusion of like number one there's no such thing as a friend zone that's a stupid thing that men say because they're upset they can't have sex (laughs) oh no like you didn't have sex for the first presumably 16 years of your life i think you can go a couple of months yeah but anyway um but it is this thing of like when you do fancy someone and they're like nah you, then you have a friend that you really like and yeah. then you just have a friend you really like and that's really great too and yeah. there's no it's a win-win because people are good yeah and i think that when you accept that life's easier and better i agree good and <laughs> but <laughs> also not... i think that there are different people that serve different and also functions in your life they can be very important they can be your friend they can be but like you know I feel like you can have someone who you're romantic with that is not necessarily like a soulmate Mm -hmm. whereas you might have a friend who is yeah you know for sure um because you know sometimes I feel like the term soulmate um I kind of identify that with like someone that you connect with on a level that seems Mm -hmm. in a world that you know like is not a logical world. Yes. Um, in a realm, because I have a friend that I have actually, I've, I've experienced with this, this with a number of people, um, and a good friend of mine, she and I could not figure out when we had met before. Yeah. Because we hadn't. Mm-hmm. But there was just something like we immediately dove in and she's actually a bit more of a private person Mm -hmm. but like she confessed a lot of things to me and i was just like oh you know like totally connecting and you know she's she's a a dear friend Mm -hmm. um and i have experienced that um 
in situations where there has been romantic interest, but but then maybe that's not a maybe you shouldn't be with that person mm-hmm. because it, they could be too similar to you. I I, I could go on yep. for hours, yeah, <laughs> literal is, hours. <laughs> it is this thing. Um, there's a book called The Dark Tower series by Stephen King, uh-huh. and in it there's this idea that he presents, which is called Keth. Um, which is a connection between people, specifically gunslingers, where you can kind of read each other's minds a little bit and this sort of thing. And it's based off of, I believe, a real thing that happens when you just meet certain people that are on not necessarily the same wavelength, but are harmonic at the very least. Mm -hmm. And um, the closest thing as well of like, they feel like family is what it feels like to me. It's like, oh, I've known you my entire life. I know a few people... um, that I, I feel that way towards. And what's the shame of it is a lot of them, it's one way, which is kind of weird. Um, I mm. uh, have a, like a friend and I feel very strongly that she is like, I immediately knew what she was about and could connect and like that. And she has been very friendly to me and a good friend, but like we haven't had sit down and had a heart to heart or yeah. anything. We just have a good time. And I think it also has a lot, in a weird way, I think it has a lot to do I found with um, mental temperament as well, like someone who is hyperactive, you immediately like, oh, because your synapse are firing at a similar rate, you're in tune with each other. Whereas like I have a good friend who I have a hard time relating to. She and I also like, we both like each other a lot because we're, you know, we're kind to each other and that sort of thing. But we're constantly having to go, okay, what did you say? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Constantly. And it's, it's just fascinating yeah how that works um i've never been romantically interested in someone who i don't have that immediate connection with though and that's kind of hard because that means i'm not willing to work for stuff in a weird way i think that i actually think that that's an easy thing to romanticize Mm -hmm. um and more often when i've found myself in a romantic situation with someone that i don't experience that with It's because they've been interested in me first. Fair enough. And then I can be like, oh, okay, what's that about? And sometimes it's very interesting working to try to understand each other Mm -hmm. because you want to. Mm -hmm. And, like, it opens up your brain in different ways. Yeah. um, Because whereas with someone that you just immediately connect to, it's like there's something about it that's just like we're perpetuating the same thoughts. Yeah. And, And that's valuable and that's helpful, especially emotionally. That fosters, like... A lot of emotional care for mm-hmm. each other because you under because of that deep understanding I think mm-hmm. but then it doesn't necessarily get you to another you can't necessarily get out of that into another level of thinking into another place of, yeah. of working to try to understand and then the trap you can fall into there is that you think you understand this person so much that then you don't that then when you don't understand what they're saying because you're two different people and you can't actually read each other's minds then then there can become even more conflict potentially from that because you're not because you both assume that you understand each other so um so innately that you know you forget to actually say words and say i am feeling this way Mm -hmm. and not assuming that they already know and being angry about that yeah potentially that is the least my least favorite sentence is oh you should have known I'm like nope you cannot assume anything like um ask for things just be open and ask for things and that's like a not very adult way of 
looking at it, quote unquote, but it is like, that's why kids are so effective. Like, they're like, um, can I have this or I want this? Totally. You go, yes or no. And then that's the worst thing you can say is no. Um, but I totally agree. And the perfect, I found the balance is like intuitively we kind of have a connection and like, and it's generally like hyperactivity or something or goofing around having a good time. And then there's enough differences that I become interested in learning about you. Mm-hmm. And also what I try to approach every person that I meet with, what can I learn from you? What can I, because, because if you stomp around going, I know what I'm doing, then you're going to be a jackass. Like, and then you're not going to listen to people. Whereas like, if you go, Oh, this person knows five things I don't, I want to know what those five things are. Then right. you're going to tune in more. And that's also like going back to acting. That's kind of how I've, thought about that as well of like you just get interested in what the other person's doing yeah and i the hard thing uh about this is uh i it's because i am pretty quick and i'm generally the thing i was saying like i generally know what how sentences are gonna end i get bored of people pretty quickly like i'm <laughs> polite about it. i'm like oh yeah that's interesting about your mother so what did you think about this like it's like <laughs> we're moving on and that that's kind of the challenge of the medium i'm do- doing now is sure like, uh, there have been times i've been like yep okay so ask him about this because this is this is leading nowhere but um but when uh the when I find someone who is like as quick and I don't know where they're going, that's one of the like, and that also, um, I've, uh, I've been, I've said a few times, it's like the shame of it is like, I feel like I'm only attracted to mentally ill people (laughs) (laughs) and like, which in a way is like, that's great that you can understand each other. But on the other hand, you're like, Oh, well I hate myself and everyone today. So do I let's, talk about no we're not gonna talk about it we're gonna have a lot of sex instead though that's a good coping mechanism right no in in some cases but not sustainably (laughs) no sustainably at all awful (laughs) no yeah i i actually that's part of why i think i like directing that's i mean Mm -hmm. how i approach directing is that i can kind of uh, I mean I, I can be very intuitive mm-hmm. um, and when I meet someone that I don't intuit things from if like I can't figure out what you're about mm-hmm. I'm either fascinated by you or like completely terrified yeah, of you absolutely like I I experienced that with a couple of actors that I've directed it's like I just I I'm not sure how to talk to you. I'm going to find a way in. Mm -hmm. But then there are certain people that I'm much more easily able to identify with. And, um, and you know, what I'm, what I try to do when I'm directing is I try to like pull that out of them in a way that will be effective for their character. Like I can intuit and I can see where they're going with something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I audition people, I can figure it out pretty quickly. Um, I'm like, okay, this person is correct for this character. And sometimes, you know, other people helping me cast will be like, why do you think of this? I'm like, nope, nope. I just know. Just like, you know, I can see it. It's there. (laughs) It's done. Yeah. It's like, no, I need this person to be this character. They were already the person when they walked in the door. Yeah. And that is the thing as well of like, um, when, when in regards to the audition, the, the auditioner knows within the first 30 seconds whether or not they're going to like, I, I generally, I would assume. Mm, I mean, now I've been behind the table a number of times mm-hmm. um, and some parts are much easier to cast than others. Yeah. Like we've had situations where 
a person walks into the room, reads for the character, and it's them unless they fuck it up in callbacks or something. Yeah. Or someone come, else comes in and just blows them out of the water. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's, that's the easiest casting decisions. Yeah. The easiest. And then there are the ones where it's like, okay, we have these different possibilities for this person. Mm-hmm. I need to hear them do their callback or I'm not going to be able to figure this out. And then we still have situations where we're like this person or this person or maybe this person mm-hmm. oh but what about this person if this person mm-hmm. and so it's it's very like it's a tangled web like yeah. it's not necessarily you know we know whether probably whether we're gonna call you back or not within the first couple seconds mm-hmm. probably although um vanessa and myself um who i run uh, my shakespeare company with um usually we agree mm-hmm. on people but every once in a while, someone walks in and she's like, I hated them. I'm like, I thought they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, that was yeah. a very good Vanessa impression there, by the way. <laughs> oh. oh, I wasn't even trying. I, um, <laughs> I live with her. Yes. Uh, so it just comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah. And I also would imagine that like half of it is the chemistry of the cast and like who's good with who. And mm-hmm. like that's all, of course... Um, I've, I've never done a callback for you. I just realized, like, both times I was like, ah, I'm unavailable. So you've only cast me off of, like, God, I hope this works out, which is a gamble, and I appreciate that. Well, I mean, the thing about you is... Huh. I flinched, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is, um... We you walk in and we also I mean Shan who you had on the podcast podcast yeah. a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um, has said like you know we cast great human beings and yeah. like I think a couple of other people have said that and it come because when someone walks in the room we need to be able to be in a room with you for the next two months yeah. and so we need people that we can like if someone comes in and we get a really bad vibe off of them mm-hmm. i don't care how good they are yep. um we just get re- like they might get into callbacks but they won't get past callbacks because it's like <laughs> and and with you we, we were like oh you know we didn't necessarily see you at first potentially in like a role exactly yeah. exactly right um but it's like well tristan's great he will you have an energy about you that jives with our energy and mm-hmm. therefore we think you will be a wonderful actor in our shows because because you're a person that we want to have around for sure um and then you know certainly a certain amount of you know okay they will do a good job as this character mm-hmm. but it is it's also sometimes like who do i want to hang out with for yeah. two months <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it is like it's yeah it's the rehearsal process is like you and you get close with people and there have been times where I've just not liked cast members mm-hmm. and I was like no I, we're fine it's okay yeah we don't need to be close I know I'm getting close with a lot of people but it's just it's so it's not personal but it's personal at the same time yeah. because it is just like you don't got a good energy for who I am as a human being and I'm sorry that I can't connect with you and that's also like just people in general I think mm-hmm. people gotta I know I have to work on this and stuff is um it's not being personally offended when people aren't interested in being your friend or working with you. Oh, God. And, like, yeah. that's hard when you really like people, but it's mm-hmm. it, it's okay. Um, going to the auditioning process again, like, um, the best advice... There's two, two things that I think of every time I have an audition. Number one, Philip Seymour Hoffman said, any opportunity you have to act, do it with 100%. Like, it's, like use that every opportunity in the auditions are just an opportunity to do the craft yeah grab it 
The second thing was um, Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, when I'm auditioning, I'm not auditioning for the part. I'm auditioning for, as Nathan Fillion, professional actor. Yeah. How am I going to be on set? How am I going to work with you? Are we connecting as a director and an actor? If those things aren't happening, then I know it's not going to be a good fit for me. It's not going to be a good fit for you. And that's fine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there are certain people that are lovely humans mm-hmm. that should not work together. Yep. And they might even be able to be friends in some situations, mm-hmm. but I've had, I've witnessed people work together and it ruin any chance of them having a, any sort of relationship mm-hmm. together. Um, and it, it breaks my heart because I'm overly sensitive and yeah. I am an empath and I gather other people's emotions like they're my own. Um, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> but, but yes, I, it, some people should not work together in a professional uh, in a pro- professional way. Absolutely. And, and then some people just absolutely click and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to share this thought with you that sometimes when you're going into an audition, um, there's a lot of people who can play the part mm-hmm. and then there's the person who is the part. Yeah. And I mean, not necessarily that they're that person in real life, though often that can kind of be the case. Not, you know, it's always acting, but mm-hmm. they have something about them that just like clicks in like a puzzle piece. Um, and if the person who is the part walks into the room, then that's the person. Yeah. But then there's people who can play the part, and not not to diminish anything about it, but they and they play it very well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are Oscar-winning actors, extremely well-renowned actors, who will be playing the part and won't necessarily be the part. Yeah. But then, those chances, like mm-hmm. that actor walks in the room, you're like, that's the person yeah. <laughs> that have got to be the character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it, uh, it's also just like talking about different styles of acting and like what's been kind of neat about working with you guys is you you like they're all good people and they're all like with you know some exception have been good actors no um (laughs) it is the thing of like and it like that's so subjective anyway what i think is good and like also different type what's been really fascinating the point of the sentence is um the different types of actors you culminate because Mm. someone like um rachel who is in tempest is like kind of intuitive and just kind of does it and like is playing and goofing and then you Mm -hmm. can tell that like derek who was their counterpart was sat down with the text and really like got into it and like yeah and he was doing, he was making the same choices every time because he's like, I'm figuring this, this works and then this works. And then like, he's building a performance. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Rachel was just kind of like, ah, I'm pulling stuff out of my ass. Everything's kind of a little different every, every night. And that's fine. And like, you see, and like, both yeah, great. yeah. And they both worked well. And they were, I think my favorite part of the show as they're kind of meant to be because they're the clowns. Um, and and what was really cool was just seeing how they, they jived and it was fine. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Yeah. And then Kyle, who was Caliban, had a completely yeah. different process than either of them. Yes. And um, interestingly, they were the only like group of people who we had in the audition room together. Mm-hmm. And when the three of them walked into the audition room and read the scene, because mm-hmm. I write down like little notes and I write down who reads with each other so I can remember what the hell happened when I'm going back and casting the play. <laughs> I wrote their names down and I just started circling it mm-hmm. over like, and over these three. again. These three. <laughs> I was like, yep. this is what's happening in this play. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, no, they, they do. They all have different styles and they all worked really well mm-hmm. together. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> it was such a delight in directing them. I'm sure. At first, I didn't actually quite know what was happening with the three of them. Like, it was one of those ones that... It was interesting because yeah. I walked into the... Because in the audition room, I was like, yes, this is correct. Mm-hmm. And we walked in the first rehearsal and I was like, I'm not sure how to approach this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, it's always interesting because different actors click at different times. Mm-hmm. And and click with me, the director, at different times. And I'm still working out my directing process because I don't do that nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but so... Um, Whereas the first couple of rehearsals, I had less of an idea what to do with them. Then, you know, we got into it and it was just, we yeah. sailed through the rest of it. And so, yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that sounds like it... people are weird and dealing with people is odd. That's basically, <laughs> that, uh, that's been the last hour and a half. <laughs> like, aren't people neat? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I do think we have to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And But it's been wonderful having you on. And do come back if you like. Certainly. And um, it's always good talking to you. Great talking to you. There you have it, folks. Thanks for listening this far. Um, So, I made a joke in that that interview that I want to apologize for. And that's the joke I made about Trump being president. I didn't know I was going to jinx it. And I'm truly, deeply sorry that I might have fucked up the entire country. But seriously, um, I just want to emphasize that um, this program is designed to be inclusionary of everybody. And therefore, it's kind of like against our current president-elect, in a way. And if anyone is listening that needs to talk or, or to talk, I'm here. Come on, talk about it. That's fine. Or shoot me an email at positive, positive and negative podcast at yahoo.com. I'm here as much as I can be. Um... There's still some good, though, out there. That's worth fighting for. So do that. Hold on to what hope you have. And treat others with uh, courtesy and graciousness. And just try to make this world a little brighter, even though it's facing a lot of dark times right now. But just like night lets you know how wonderful the day is and the sun is, I think this will too. Though it's a difficult and hard time, keep your head up. Walk proudly. Take no shit, but do no harm. Care and love for others, please. Um, yeah. I mean, the joke I was doing during the whole election process was having Donald Trump run for the presidential office is like 
a dyslexic Ouija board. It's scary at first, but ultimately it doesn't make any sense. But now it turns out the whole damn house has been haunted the whole time. So, uh, till we meet again, please keep safe. Long days and pleasant nights.